Welcome in, Adam Munster-Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com here. The regular signing period is coming up on Wednesday, and while you certainly can't rule out a surprise with his coaching staff and how they've operated on the recruiting trail the last two months, it's not expected to be madness like the early signing period was, but... You know, obviously signing a five-star recruit is cause for fireworks by itself. I did a segment with both William Gardner and Chase Howell coming up, and we talk about our favorite additions in the 2023 class. Today's episode of Buff Stampede Radio is brought to us by Macaulay Capital Fractional CFO Services. If you're running a successful small to medium-sized business, you have an impressive set of skills, but as your company grows, you face new and different challenges. When you eclipse $3 million in revenue, you likely have a whole new set of financial challenges. Are you looking for financial guidance and support, but don't have the resources to hire a full-time CFO? Well, we have a solution for you. Hire a fractional CFO from Macaulay Capital. A fractional CFO can work with businesses on a part-time basis, providing the same expertise as a full-time CFO at a fraction of the cost. You get the benefit of having a seasoned financial expert on your team without the commitment or expense of a full-time hire. They love to help your business thrive by improving its profitability and eliminating your financial headaches. Get a long-term partner you can trust to help craft your financial strategy, understand the profitability of each client, help manage your cash smartly so you can take advantage of rising interest rates and more. It's likely that a partnership with Macaulay Capital will be a win-win situation, meaning that your business will make more money from the guidance of a fractional CFO than the total cost of partnering with Macaulay Capital. For more information or to set up a meeting, visit MacaulayCapital.com or email CFO at MacaulayCapital.com. That's M-C-C-A-U-L-E-Y Capital.com. All right. I welcome in William Gardner. William, thanks as always for taking time out from your day job to preview the regular signing period here on Buff Stampede Radio. It's going to be quieter. Uh, it has to be because the December signing period was absolutely nuts. Uh, I barely survived it. <laughs> it was a whirlwind. There's still some exciting stuff to talk about and, and even still kind of recapping things that have happened because so much has happened since Coach Prime took over in Boulder. Right. What we've seen here since that regular signing period falls somewhat in line with Coach Prime's 40-40-20 plan. And that 20 in that 40-40-20 plan is high school additions. He does not want this program loaded with fresh-faced freshmen that are going to need some seasoning because he wants to win right away. Now, I think it's going to be a little bit more than that 20% from the high school ranks because they signed 16 high school players in December, and Cormani McLean's going to make 17 here during the regular signing period. That's 17 of 85, which is 20% right there. So it's going to be a little bit above that 20% in terms of new additions, but we've really seen them pump the brakes in terms of adding these high school kids. Well, I was going to ask you how you're keeping up with it. You know, over this last weekend with 54 guys in here, I'd see, well, this guy uh, had a good trip and that guy had a good trip. And I was like, okay, uh, who the heck is that guy? And and who is that guy? I can't keep him straight except for, you know, there, there are a few standouts, you know, um, there are a couple, uh, you know, a couple of defense Robinson and, and Baker on the on both 
lines obviously stand out to me, but I, I was wondering how the hell you keep up with it all. Well, yeah, I should say they haven't pumped the brakes on recruiting for high school ranks, but it's been shifted from 2023 to 2024, 2025. Uh, It's been crazy. You know, I fortunately have gotten some help from our our national guys and Steve Wiltfong reached out to a ton of those guys on Saturday. So that helped quite a bit. Uh, You just, you just try your best William and uh, catch my breath after Wednesday, but you know, it really has turned into 365 days of recruiting coverage because the process has become so accelerated. I mean, I think you you remember it wasn't too long ago that the spring evaluation period is when you would offer kids for that next class. But now it's like the winter time. If you're not out there getting offers out to these elite guys, you're too late. There's so many 2024 prospects that have already trimmed their list. Uh, Colorado has three commits already for 2024 at the recording of, of this podcast. So it's probably not good because football is a sport where some guys develop later mm-hmm. and there's guys that maybe develop as a senior, but you know, they end up going group of five because these power five schools have kind of filled up. Uh, so I don't know if it's great for college football, but it is what it is. And you have to play this game right now because otherwise you're going to get left out for these blue chippers. Well, you know, the one constant of human human life is change and those who adapt and, and can make it work are the ones that stay on top and the ones that can't fall by the wayside. Um, and so things have changed dramatically. And I think we got the one guy who, who is mo- was most uh, prime, primed. I just came up with that. I didn't mean to say that, but most primed to uh, take advantage of this new system, you know, with a run and start. So... Um, I think we are in a good spot for that. Yeah. Where does Coach Prime's recruiting results compare to what your expectations were when he was introduced as a Buffs head coach on December 4th? You know, honestly, I think I was so, I'm so shell-shocked by the last 10 years. I don't know that I had expectations. I, I, um, you know, you, you see what he did at Jackson State with uh, guys like Travis Hunter and, and people like that, and you wondered if that would uh, really um, – work as well here and i would i I guess i would say um the results are are wildly beyond my greatest expectations so far quite frankly um i mean i don't i don't think i could have imagined it happening the way it did and the way it continues to do so right now um and i think he's pretty much entirely changed the 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 makeup of this team um, and I think it's going to show on the field this fall. So I would say, I would say, take my wildest expectation and the reality is way out there, you know, like those maps of the solar system and here's the sun and way the heck out there in Pueblo is uh, Pluto. That's probably it. So he coached in the SWAC championship game. And then a few hours after that, uh, we knew that he had told the team that he was coming to Boulder, got on a private jet mm-hmm. and definitely expected see you recruiting to venture into a a different galaxy. I didn't know how quick it was going to happen that night, but then that next day I'm jumping in the shower to get ready for coach prime's introductory press conference. I get out and they already have a five-star commit lined up for 2025. And it was like, at that moment, it was like, okay, yeah, it's happening quick. You know, they're not going to ease into this thing. Um, and then Dylan Edwards shortly after that, you know, flipping from Notre Dame. And 
it, it was tough with some of those guys because recruiting is so much about relationships. Um, but th- they did, you know, utilize so, some of those connections to get Adam Hopkins and, uh, you know, obviously uh, flipping Cormani McLean later, uh, Omari and Miller as well. Um, but uh, they weren't going to have a top 10 recruiting class. Yeah. Well, in 2023, that just wasn't realistic. But you know, it's that that is definitely a possibility with, with 2024 based on the early yeah. returns we've seen. And, and you look at um, you know this this last recruiting weekend with those 54 guys in there. And I and I'm gonna throw it out here to you because I know it's gonna come up on the board. No commits. Does that concern you that they they didn't come out of the weekend with any commits? Uh, we're sitting here at Monday recording this. I wouldn't say quite yet, but. Um, that was the start today. Monday is the start of a dead period for with recruiting. So right. prospects can't take a visit for the entire next month. And their last experience is visiting Boulder. So any kids right. that uh, are going to commit here in the next month, um, you know, I would expect there to be some before, you know, the, the, the recruiting calendar opens up again. So yeah. uh, I wouldn't be super concerned with that at this point. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not. I don't think I'm concerned about it much at all, either. Really, I think some people will have concerns about it. But I think what's remarkable to me is that they it, they started. They announced they were going to have this junior day, and then it kind of became a waterfall. You know, it started as a trickle, and then I think guys want to get on board. They kept seeing other guys get on board, and then before you know it, it was 54 guys, which is kind of kind of amazing and ridiculous. I I guess I'd love to know how they coordinated it all and made sure they had enough time for each guy and everybody got a piece of prime and everything else. But that would be an interesting story to me. But uh, the sheer quality, it was kind of mind blowing. You know, almost every hour you'd see another four or five star guy "Ah, coming to bowler, you know? Yeah. And we haven't, you know, I mean, well, I, I, I remember, back in the late eighties and early nineties, but it was an entirely different world. We didn't have Twitter. We didn't have instant. You didn't get instant gratification. You waited for the Saturday or Sunday paper to get some information, you know? And um, so this is a brand new thing for CU. I mean, I guess they're used to this kind of thing at at places like Notre Dame and, and Alabama, but uh, this is a new thing for us. Yeah. Like you said, it's almost hard to keep up with it because there was so much happening, but uh, they did bring them out kind of in waves. So it's not like every single one of those recruits showed up in the facilities at the same exact time. So that helped kind of staggering it a a little bit. Um, And then there was a lot of 25 and 26 recruits that, you know, clearly are not going to be committing at at this point. And to your other point about uh, not getting a, a ton of commitments right away, you know, following the weekend is, a lot of the kids, most of the kids they brought out have a lot of power five opportunities. Right. And so when you're going to be recruiting up against the Ohio States and USC's and Texas of the world, um, it's more of a fight that you have to put up. Right. So I think um, that part of it is a little bit new territory for all of us, uh, for me that covers see recruiting and everybody out right. there that, that follows along with it. Well, I think one of the things, and, kind of changing gears just a little bit. One of the things that kind of excited me about this weekend and we started hearing reports from the recruits and their videos and whatever, you know, I know people were uh, concerned ahead of time because of the weather, right? And it, and Sunday and today is like as cold as it ever gets here. And they embraced it. 
I mean, they took those kids out and they played in the snow and they had snow fights and they, they were excited about it. They didn't try to say, Hey, well, let's stay inside where it's warm all the time. They got them out there and they actually embraced that and put them up on the balcony where they could see the snow in the mountains. And I think that uh, the way that those kids all responded to that was very exciting and fantastic. You really gain the advantage though. You're talking about weather when you bring out recruits in June there's not a whole lot of places I'd rather be than Boulder, Colorado yeah. in June. Um, maybe the Pacific Northwest as well is pretty nice right. in the summer, but yeah. uh, you know, as much as the weather you're playing, it's kind of a crapshoot this time of year. Um, you know, there are still programs. I mentioned Ohio state, Michigan that uh, find a way to get talent despite, you know, ha- not having the greatest weather. Right. Right. And that's and that shouldn't be an issue so much. But I, I, I just I thought it was indicative to me of they just seem to think about every little aspect of recruiting and they just do it right. You know, like, you know, it's not a big deal to bring in get, get a deal with a car club and bring in fancy cars for kids. But what the hell? The kids love it. You know, and nobody else did before them. It's, it's those little things, I think, that make the difference. And, and when you know, when a guy's like Alabama or Colorado, maybe that's a little thing that makes the difference. So every year after the regular signing period, I put out my signing day picks and I go through a bunch of different categories and pick my favorite offensive edition, top defensive edition, most underrated top athlete, so on and so forth. I'm going to bring you and Chase Howell into it this year, and I want to get your picks as well. We're going to do that on the podcast, and then I'll throw in my picks as well later this week on buffstampede.com. Now, these are going to be from the high school and junior college editions from the 2023 class. Who do you think is the top offensive edition for the Buffaloes? Well, I, I kind of looked at it um, from the uh, perspective of, of the transfers, frankly. I think if we're, if we're including everybody, I think everybody's probably going to come up with the same name on offense, and that's going to be Shadur Sanders, if not only because of his talent, but also because just the, the sheer need at that position for a dynamic player. And, you know, I would say more than any other position, our, our failures in the last 15 years have come down to lack of quarterback play. So he clearly knows how to play quarterback and, and I think is going to make a big difference. Um, and then I think from, from just the high school recruits, the one that stands out to me is Dylan Edwards, who's going to be a different kind of running back than we've seen in a long time, frankly, um, and with his speed and and uh, a shiftiness or whatever, uh, I think he's going to give us things from the running back position that are going to open up our offense tremendously, especially with what I've seen of what this new offense is about. I think, I you know, not to go crazy, but he could be a thousand yard guy right off the bat. What about defensively? Who's your favorite addition? I came up with um, this. I think if we're going to call it a lot of same names, but uh, looking at, at all of them again, to me, uh, Travis Hunter is the one that stands out. Although I was a little bit, you know, I'm not 100% sure if he's going to be, you know, both sides of the ball or or, or what. I think in terms of a high school player, the guy that really stands out to me is uh, Victory Johnson at linebacker um, because of his size. He can play a lot of different positions out there. Um, so that would be the guy I thought of. Uh, um, as far as on the defensive side of the game. And in both those guys you picked from the high school ranks, Dylan Edwards and Victory Johnson are early enrollees, so they're part of the program yeah. for spring ball. Who's your most underrated guy in this class? Um, I think uh, I, two guys at both at linebacker, one of them is Vontae Bentley, 
which probably sounds funny for a guy coming from Clemson, but people aren't talking about him on the board. And I think he's a lot better than people think think he is. And I think the other one is Jeremiah Brown, who's a linebacker from Jackson State, who's uh, super athletic and I think can do a lot of different things in all aspects of the game. With Vonta, you know, I saw, you know, behind the scenes video with him recently, and uh, he says he's going for the Buckus Award this year. Nice. Well, I'd be all, no, hey, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> he had a really impressive tackles per snap ratio when he was at Clemson. Yeah. When he was on the field, he made a lot of plays. At the end of the day, you know, if you're going to win the Buckus, you got to, first of all, you got to be on a winning team, but you, you got to have a lot of big plays. You got to have interceptions. You got to have sacks. You got to have numbers that stand out beyond just, uh, because, you know, I mean, um, uh, we had, we had a linebacker with the, just the sheer numbers of tackles. Um, but, uh, you got to have those big plays as well. I, th- I think, um, before we change, uh, the other most underrated on offense, I haven't, I'm going to go with Jack Wilty, who I think is just a tremendous prospect on the offensive line and is going to win one of those start- starting spots. He's one of the guys we haven't done a film room on yet. Is he going to factor in a guard? You think? Yeah, well, I, I think so, because I, I really feel like those two tackle spots are going to be um, Savion Washington and uh, Big Tank Lichtenhand, um, which means we got to find one of those guard spots. And, and Jack Wilty is, plays with a, a degree of nasty and, and some explosiveness through the hips that could make him a very good guard. Who's the top athlete in this class, in your opinion? Uh, well, yeah, I think it's got to be Travis Hunter or Dylan Edwards. I mean, Travis Hunter, just, you know, watching him on that one, somebody posted the, uh, I think it was a, a tweet of him playing basketball at the rec center and dunking the ball. And I was like, holy cow, look at that. He's just a, he's just a different kind of a guy um, than we've seen around here in a long time. And then Dylan, Dylan Edwards is just so fast. It's crazy. On the nameplates in the locker room, guys have their position listed. And to your point earlier about Travis Hunter, where is he going to factor in? His nameplate just says athlete. You know, that's a guy that they're – you can't have a special talent like that and limit their role. So uh, you got to find ways to use him. You know, uh, obviously he's a shutdown corner, but, uh, you know, you got to put the ball in his hands and let him do things. And if you watch the Amazon Prime documentary, it was pretty clear that he was never really healthy last year. and so I think that's one thing that that people don't realize either is that uh, that was a pretty gnarly ankle injury. Who's most ready to make an impact? Um, I think obviously Shadur Sanders is uh, the one that I would look at, and and I'm going with uh, just looking. Quite frankly, I w- I would say uh, from the high school and JUCO guys, I kind of come up with the same guys. Um, there's so many receivers, it's hard for me to pick one out of them, but I would go again with Jack Wilty and Victory Johnson. But the guys that I was going to say are Sabian Washington, I think, is an instant starter at tackle. Um, I think he'll be on the right-hand side. And I think another one, maybe this is a, a guy I should have put in the underrated, but I think Leonard Payne uh, has a role to play from day one on this team. You know, he may not be a superstar, but he's a 310 pounder who can give you some solid snaps in the middle and is not going to get pushed around. So he's another one I would add. At risk of turning this into a, a Travis Hunter heavy segment here, I'm going to ask you who's most versatile in this class. Well, I mean, yeah, who else are you going to say? You know, there's who, who <laughs> else could you look at? Frank, frankly, do you think there's anybody else that could be play both ways on this team? But 
Well, Cormani McLean was a heck of a receiver until he uh, focused on cornerback in high yeah. school. But yeah. yeah, clearly Travis Hunter would be the guy here. Yeah, and I have to, you know, I picked Travis over over Cormani on everything because just because of the year of experience at this level, he's more mature and, and more ready to go. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're the same names filled a lot of spots for my feature that I'm going to do on buff stampede. I don't want to have the same name for all these categories. So I'm going to kind of mix it up. And, uh, I I think I'm going to go with Adam Hopkins for most versatile, just because this is a guy that coming in as a high school guy, I could definitely see him playing in the secondary. I know that he's brought in as a receiver, but you watch some of that tape. Chase Howell and I did a, a film room on him. If you haven't seen that, check it out. He he actually, to me personally, and again, these are just highlight clips. He actually looks better on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Well, and you know, Morgan Pearson's another one that comes to mind that played both ways in high school and then uh could have could have, you know, was recruited on both sides of the ball by different people. So he's another one, especially a linebacker. You know, I think we have real needs at linebacker, and he could play early there too. Yeah, there's a lot of versatility with this group. Isaiah Harge coming in from the high school ranks is not an early enrollee, so we're probably not going to talk a ton about him. But he played cornerback and was pretty pretty solid there for St. Thomas Aquinas at times as a senior, kind of just filling in there when they had some injuries. But you know, he's probably going to play slot receiver. You go back to Dylan Edwards. This is a guy yeah. just versatility on offense. You can put him out in the slot. You're, you're going to use him a lot in space, so he's not right. going to be that line up in the backfield, carry the ball 25 times a game, pep it back. He's right. definitely a guy that you're going to utilize in different ways offensively. He's and another then, one like he's another one like Travis Hunter that, that with his speed, you have to put the ball in his hands and and give him opportunities to make big plays. Jaden Milliner Jones, who flipped from SMU on the early signing day, is a guy that you know could potentially grow into a linebacker, play nickelback, could, could play uh, safety as well. That's probably where he'll start out. So quite a few of these guys have some versatility right. to them. Yeah. And I like that, you know, a lot of these wide receivers have some height to them and can, can do different a variety of different things. So uh, it's a very interesting class, frankly. We talked about the big elite underclassmen weekend. What are your expectations for Colorado's recruiting class rank in 2024? Well, I mean, just seeing who was interested in us right now, it's hard not to feel like a top top 10 or at least very, very least top 20 wouldn't be the expectation at this point. Um, you know, uh, kind of across the board, we already started out. We're already starting out really well with the commits we got. Um, but uh, I, I would think inside the top 20 would have to be everybody's goal and, and, and sort of the higher end goal would be inside the top 10. One thing to to mention as far as this goes is that they're not going to be just strictly star chasing. We we have seen them go after some guys, be the first to offer different recruits in the 2024 class. Talon Chandler is one guy that at the center position from Missouri, they have targeted there and he does not have other power five options right now. You want to see just, a bunch of stars by all these kids' names when they commit. Are you okay with them, you know, taking flyers on some guys and not just strictly being focused on only recruiting blue chippers? Well, I kind of like it. I, I like the fact that they're not just following the stars and that they're doing their own uh, evaluations of guys and deciding who fits in their program. I think especially on the offensive line, I think, uh, you know, I have – 
some concern, I suppose, about Bill O'Boyle never having coached at this level. Um, but he does know the system that he's coaching and he's been in it and he knows what he needs to make it work. So uh, I, I give him the benefit of the doubt on that as far as it goes. But I, I like the fact here. Here's the thing. I, I like the fact that uh, Deion Sanders is requiring his coaches to do their darn job and, and not, you know, not just go look at the top 10 um, of the various recruiting sites, but uh, decide who they want uh, that are players that, are, that no, everybody else isn't looking at. What are your remaining questions for the Buffaloes in 2023? It could be personnel, chemistry, really anything that you feel is still kind of a question mark given, uh, you know, this influx of talent that they do have coming in. Well, I think the obvious question for most people is the backup quarterback and what's going to be the situation if something does happen to Shadur because, you know, we've rarely seen a quarterback go through a season without missing some plays or a game here or there. So that backup quarterback, I think, would be the, the prime thing. And then, you know, you know, see the chemistry, see them come together, put their schemes in. Uh, I'm very curious to see exactly what they do. I don't think this offense is going to be exactly what Kent State did last year. I think they're going to, you know, probably tweak it up a little bit and use the people they got. One of my questions is, is I'm curious to see who, who of the holdovers ends up, you know, having a big role on the team. Um, and I think there'll be some that will. I think some of those guys are going to surprise people. I think um, that the front seven and the pass rush depth and quality there is still a little bit of a question mark to me. And, and I, I really feel like, and I think most people would agree, the roster that we have today, including Cormani McLean, is not going to be what we're going to go into the season with. Do they have a top back, I guess, is a question that I still have. Cavossier Smoke is going to come in this summer. Uh, you mentioned uh, we've talked a little bit about Dylan Edwards on this. I guess that is one position you come in and, and make a big impact as a true freshman. Right. Um, maybe spring ball will kind of give us a better indication in terms of uh, do they need to keep uh, maybe go back into the portal and look for another running back. Um, backup tight end is still still a big question mark at this point. Sadu yeah. Trevor comes in, and I think he's your number one guy there. Well, I think it's. It, I'm curious to see what they do with the tight end uh, in this offense as they get into spring ball and, and um, get rolling, um, because there's a lot of times we're watching Kent State where they had four wides and didn't have really have a tight end type, type of guy. So I'm very curious to see how they use those and how some of the holdover young guys develop and fit into this offense and what they do. Do they need another inside backer? Well, I don't know. I think it remains to be seen how some of those young guys develop and, and um, you know, uh, how some of the other guys. I, I think I think guys like Jeremiah Brown and Vontae Bentley and, and some of these other guys we have can do a lot, can play any of the inside, any of the inside or outside backer positions and, and get things done. So uh, a lot depends on what they want to do scheme wise. Um, but I think some of those young guys still have a lot of potential as well to fill those spots. Yeah, I think a big part, especially inside backers, how much are those returning guys going to be able to make an impact? And Owen Carey, Aubrey Smith, uh, right. Mr. Williams, some guys right. that have shown some promise uh, but are still pretty young at, at this stage of their their college career. That's the great thing is that you get to have these 15 spring practices, kind of see where everything is, assess the situation, and then there's another portal window. And we already know that there's going to be guys that are in the program right now that are going to be in the portal after that window because they've right. got to make room. They got to get down to 85 at some point. Right. 
and probably below that 85 to be able to bring in a few more pieces at certain spots. So this right. is definitely not the the finished product in, in terms of their roster and, and obviously stuff that will continue to go over. One area that I named as a question mark before that I think has actually probably gotten shored up now is safety by bringing in Slusher, right. Someone Craig, and then presumably Shiloh Sanders as well. Uh, you, you got Trevor Woods back, Dylan Dixon back, Tyron Taylor back. And maybe an Xavier Smith and Oki Salavea, Jeremy Mack give you something there. You brought in Jaden Milner Jones. That's one position that for like 10 years, I feel like I keep saying they need more bodies there. They need more bodies right. there. Finally, it feels like safety is actually pretty well stocked. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing one more, maybe, but I, I think I think you know, going back to that second transfer window, it's not going to be wholesale like it was the first time. It's going to be here, here, and here, you know. Yeah. After they go through spring ball, they're going to say, well, we need one of these, we need one of those. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing another really big, um, powerful, impact defensive tackle, but we'll see what develops in spring with the guys we've got coming back and the guys we've got going coming in. So um, that's another spot where I still think they could use a little help. Well, uh, William, that's all we had on the docket for you today. Again, appreciate you for taking the time out. We've got some stuff coming on Wednesday for the regular signing period. We did a video where we talked about Taylor Upshaw and Jordan Dominic. Let's preview that real quick before I let you go. Uh, that was the biggest need was on the edge coming out of that early signing period. Uh, those two guys kind of helped fill that Uh but I guess you can never have too many pass rushers, right? Especially given the the recent history here at CU where they just haven't had those guys. Well, we haven't had any pass rushers for a while. So, you know, but, uh, it, as far as I'm concerned, until they come on the field and, and start giving us sacks every game, we, we still have none. So, no, I can't, you know, it, I, I wouldn't mind getting another one, quite frankly. I think um, that uh, Jordan Dominic is more of a pure pass rusher than um, – than Taylor Upshaw, but uh, I wouldn't mind seeing another guy, another couple of guys like that. Dominic was, you know, third, I think, in the SEC in sacks last year, so he's the real deal. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing another one on the other side opposite him. All right, well, William, I'll let you get back to your day job. Thanks for taking the time out. All right, welcoming in Chase Howell to the podcast. Chase, how is life treating you these days? It's great. It doesn't get much better than this, especially um, as a CU Buff alum and being able to follow what has happened with Coach Prime. You can't complain about where we are with CU football, but life in general is pretty good, too. There's, there's a lot of good stuff going on right now. And you have your Philadelphia Eagles sweatshirt on. Right. People can't see that on the podcast, but um, I grew up a big Eagles fan. It's one of the I'm a Colorado native, but it's the only non-Colorado. I'm not a big Broncos guy, so. Eagles has always been what it's been since I was really, really young. So heading to the Super Bowl, CU Buffs have Deion Sanders. There's a lot of good in, in Chase's sports life right now. Yeah. On that, does it feel like Buff Nation is almost in shock right now, given the caliber of prospects that are overnight now, considering the Buffaloes? It's a weird adjustment period. I think it's funny you get on your message board and some of the other CU message boards that there's some people that have fully adjusted. They, they just know that they should have been here forever and they're already complaining about dudes offer lists and they're not, high, <laughs> they're not ranked high enough. They're not a, a four star in the top a hundred. Um, I think you get a few of those people that are already used to it. And then a lot of people that are like, what is going on? I will take any of these guys 
um, for example, that visited this past weekend for the big junior day. So uh, I think there's a little bit of both right now. I'm still personally in shock. I still don't know how to follow all of these high caliber recruits, but it does seem like people are well adjusted to it. That They're like ready to complain about these offer lists. We did some signing day prep for Wednesday, the, the first day of the regular signing period. Not going to be a, a ton of additions, but Cormani McLean is set to make his commitment to the Buffaloes official then. I can't wait to hit publish on that video because it, it's been a long time coming, waiting to uh, have an announcement of a five-star high school signee, 15 years. Is it worthy of the excitement? You know, football is a little bit different in basketball. You get a five-star commit in basketball and if they show up and do the right things they they can really change the trajectory of a whole program football sometimes you're kind of only as good as your weakest link you know you could have a really good player on the edge or corner at another position but if the other positions aren't holding up their end it doesn't really matter should the excitement be there for Cormani McLean in his uh upcoming announcement to be a buff I definitely think so. I don't think the excitement for Cormani has been over the top by any means. Uh, he's obviously a really, really exciting football player. And I think he's he's going to be able to make an impact. It's not going to be this great impact like we might see with the basketball program. Um, but I do think that the excitement is supposed to be there because of where this football team is going, where this program is going. And I thought Cormani McLean that – that flip showed what Coach Prime is able to do in the recruiting world. And we really didn't know if he was going to be able to get a five-star in the 2023 class. And the fact that he was able to get a top 10 player in the country in just a couple months um, just shows what he's going to be able to do in the future. And I think that's the real reason for the excitement. Obviously, Komani's an exciting football player, and it's going to be pretty incredible to have two of the best corners um, ever recruited in high school football on both sides for playing for CU. But, um, yeah, so I think – if you throw everything into the pot, there's there's a lot of reason to have a lot of excitement. His recruitment drew some criticism, just the fact that it took a few twists and turns here and there. Obviously, he was committed to Miami before flipping to Colorado. I don't know. I, I didn't really get the vibe, though, that he's like a huge character risk. I think it was more just he surprised people at different points during his recruitment. What was your takeaway from all of that? Yeah. I'm glad you asked about that because I feel like it deserves being talked about. It just, there seems to be a narrative um, from the recruiting world, all all the different outlets that he's some kind of like drama causing recruit. It just doesn't feel like that. Any interview that Cormani's done or, tweet on twitter or instagram it doesn't seem like it's a guy that loves the spotlight loves putting people on their toes of course he did um a couple things during his visit in boulder he put that instagram story up of him being in tampa which might be like he he might like to play with people a little bit but it doesn't seem like he's the one that wants all the drama around him it doesn't seem it just seems like drama has attracted him because of this recruitment and he's it's been tough for him to make a decision obviously it looked like florida for a while and then miami and then colorado um but it's the biggest decision they're going to make in their lives and it's especially for a football player that's going to have to be there for a couple years to be able to get to the nfl and obviously there's the transfer portal now but it's a really important decision and there's a lot of people in these guys ears so there's reason for the drama and i i didn't think that he's he's a guy that loves the attention by any means 
Well, these guys are going to get so much exposure playing under Coach Prime, which lends to a recruit that that wants that exposure. Uh, but he's also doesn't coddle players either. And the way he's portrayed himself as a recruiter is that he keeps it real with them. And Cormani McLean is going to have to come to Boulder to work. And, and the reason you pick Colorado is because you're going to go work hard under the greatest ever play the position. So I, I think on some level that kind of weeds out a little bit of that, right? You might have a little bit of a prima donna quality in the sense that you want eyeballs on you, uh, which inherently is not necessarily a, a bad thing, you know, especially when you're trying to market yourself for NIL money and to, you know, try to make money down the road. But uh, I don't think that coach prime, his recruiting pitch is, uh, you're coming out to a resort and this is going to be an easy road for you. I think if anything, if you pick Coach Prime in Colorado, that, that's kind of the, the tougher road, but the road that's probably going to develop you better, right? Right. It's the road that doesn't have a guaranteed starting spot or doesn't have a guaranteed NIL money either. I think it's at least from everything that um, we have heard on this recruitment, he's not guaranteed a thing and he he knows that he's going to have to go out and earn it. Um, obviously, the and I think the NIL thing is interesting because his ability to make nil money is the greatest at colorado i think his ability to gain a following and gain high caliber sponsorships is the greatest at colorado but he is not going in there with guaranteed nil money by any means or at least a lot of guaranteed nil money anywhere close to seven figures but um so i think he's obviously making this decision because he believes in himself he believes that he's going to be able to work hard enough to earn a starting spot. Um, and he's going where there's a lot of competition at the corner position. I know he said in, a, I think, his Under Armour interview that he wanted to go somewhere where he's going to start, but um, he's going to have to earn that spot. And it does. he has the ability to be able to do that. And I won't be surprised if he's starting week one, but um, I don't think he was guaranteed anything by picking Colorado. I did this with William, and I'm going to do it with you, Chase, every year. We do signing day picks on buffstampede.com. I'm going to release my list here later in the week, but I want to get your picks here and, and work that into the feature as well. Give me your top offensive addition in the 2023 class. Yeah, this is kind of an easy one. I did throw in an honorable mention, but I got to go with Dylan Edwards. Just the dude is a, an absolute offensive weapon that they're going to have to find ways to get the ball in his hands. Um, he was the fastest player at the Under Armour All-American game, was the fastest player at quite a few camps last summer as well. Um, so he might end up being the fastest player in all of college football uh, in three, four years. And it doesn't get more of a a better top offensive addition than that, I think. I haven't played video games in a long time, but I remember back when I did, they had the, the speed bursts button. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do they still have that in Madden? Did that go away? I, I think so. Maybe the running backs run at full speed now. I'm not sure, but okay. I th I think they do. But when you watch Dylan Edwards tape, doesn't it look like somebody hit the the speed burst button on some of those plays? Yeah, it's always on burst. And, uh, it just looks impossible to be able to tackle him, and he's so little. He's only about 170 pounds. But if you can't even get your hands on him, you're not going to be able to bring him down. And a lot of guys in Kansas high school football were not able to get their hands on him. All right, top defensive edition. Well, this is also kind of becomes pretty easy uh, now that we're towards the end of this 
2023 recruiting class, but I got to go with Cormani McLean. He's a five-star recruit. Uh, there's not much more to be said than one of the top players in all of the country. I, there's a lot of defensive guys I like, but it's hard to go against Cormani McLean. Who's your most underrated in this class? I really like Jacob Page. Uh, we did a video on him back when I think he first committed. It was bef- even before the early signing day. But I really like his length and his speed. And I think he's a guy um, that if they're able to develop him with the wide receiver position, I don't really expect him to play much his freshman year. But I really like his attributes. And I think he could become a really good wide receiver. Who's your top athlete in this class? This one I could go a lot of different ways. Um, I'm going to end up going with one of the guys that can play on both sides of the ball. And you, you ask another question in a in a couple more that kind of goes along with the top yeah. athlete. But um, I'm going to go with Adam Hopkins just because of his ability to play both defensive back and wide receiver. It does look like he's going to end up playing wide receiver, um, but I do like his ability at defensive back and wide receiver. Who is most ready to make an impact when you look at the high school additions and you can even throw in a couple JUCO signings they had? Yeah, Adam, I think I'm going to go to that JUCO direction. I really like Isaiah Jada. Uh, I think he's a guy, when I first threw on his tape, that I thought he could start at left tackle when we get to week one. He needs a little bit of developing. He's obviously got to learn the system, um, but he's already on campus. He'll have all of spring ball to be able to develop a little bit. And I, he has the size, the frame. I really like his athleticism and his ability to move around um, as a tackle, which is something I think you're going to need in this Bill O'Boyle, Sean Lewis uh, offensive line scheme. I think Isaiah Jada is a guy that could start at left tackle uh, come week one. Like you said, this is very similar to the top athlete category, but who's your most versatile? Yeah, I think you could swap Adam Hopkins in, in here as well. Um, so I'm going to go with Isaiah Harge. Very, very similarly, uh, he's a guy that could play both defensive back and wide receiver. He did a lot at St. Thomas Aquinas, and uh, obviously that's one of the top high school football teams in all the country. So if you can do it there, I think you can do it at Colorado as well. But um, not just that. I think if you throw on the film, he plays a lot of slot receiver. He plays a lot of outside receiver. He plays some running back for STA. He's a guy that they move him all over the field to try to get it the ball in his hands um, on the offensive side. And then he's also great on the defensive side. So to me, he's most versatile. And I think he's a very underrated recruit, um, a guy that could play at Colorado, even though he's not a guy that they're really rec- – he's not of the caliber that they're recruiting now. He's more of a mid- to high three-star. So Colorado has, as a, as the recording of this, I believe the fourth-ranked transfer class in the country in their top 25 overall class for the 2023 what what is a realistic expectation in your eyes for their class rank in 2024 i think top 10 is realistic at this point with the guys that have already visited the guys that are even already committed um, i think top 10 is realistic i i think even there's a possibility to be able to crack the top five um, i don't think that's a realistic expectation but um i do kind of expect this 2024 class to end somewhere in the top 15 of the 24-7 sports rankings. And I think top 10 is is a realistic expectation. If they continue to recruit these four or five stars, they're going to end up in the top 10. Before I get you out of here, Chase, what are your remaining questions for the Buffaloes in 2023? Oh, I think to me, 
especially watching the videos and and all that and seeing how these players are interacting. I really want to see how the old players that were already at Colorado interact with all of the new transfers and obviously majority Jackson State kids as well. Um, Just because you can kind of see in some of these videos that well off media and reach the people have been posting that the, it, it's a little clicky right now, which is expected. You're going to show up at a place you haven't been before, especially for the new additions. And you're going to want to see familiar faces. So you see the Jackson state guys all hanging out together, maybe with a couple of the new transfers that they're meeting as well. So I want to see how those old Colorado guys kind of gel with the new transfers. Um, and that, that's really kind of my biggest worry at, at this point. Um, I'm really excited to see the schemes, both offensively and defensively, I think there's a lot of question marks there. Um, but I think we'll we'll feel comfortable about that after spring ball. All right, exciting times in Boulder. The regular signing period coming up on Wednesday. Chase, thanks for helping me uh, preview it. I love it. All right, and thanks to everybody out there for tuning in.